There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped at 10 Ranch, Michael We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. You know, as we look at this Gabby Petito case and what's going on now in regards to the after the fact, I mean, you got to realize that we've been with this case for almost a year. And all the things that are occurring now with the uh, civil case and whether or not, in fact, the civil case will even get off the ground. But one of the things you must think of as an audience member or someone who's following, taking a deep dive into this case, is the family of Gabby Petito. They need and they want and they love Gabby Petito. And they want to keep her name alive. And they want people to know the horror that occurred to her. And they want people to know that this just wasn't uh, a fiance or a boyfriend that erred or made some big mistake. This was a premeditated murder. And there were some real serious problems uh, in their relationship. And that's one of the things I think the family wants everyone to know, that this was just no, no accident. This was a premeditated murder. And they need, they need everyone to realize this and everyone to understand this so that they can have closure in this case movie, The Gabby Petito Story, that they're filming now in Utah. We asked you on Twitter, is it too soon to make this movie? Wow, look at that. Overwhelming. 86% of you said yes. 14% of you said no. Uh, not really surprising. A lot of people think this is just still too raw uh, and too soon. Also today, Gabby's mother spoke out on Twitter about Laundry's notebook confession for the first time revealed to the world uh, last Friday. Laundry admitted to what he described as a mercy killing, but Nicole Schmidt uh, really is not having. She says on Twitter, narcissists rewrite history to escape accountability. You are not crazy with the caption fed up hashtag narcissist hashtag the truth will be revealed hashtag we won't stop hashtag justice for Gabby hashtag keep going hashtag coward. So she obviously uh, made her opinion known there. Thank you for watching. So, folks, uh, it's clear how the Petitos feel about Brian Laundrie. And, you know, when I read his confession, I think when most people read his confession, it seemed extremely self-serving. And to think that the FBI and the parents and everyone knew about this for so long. Red Hook Brooklyn, how are you, buddy? Uh, Diana McKinn, thank you, Sergeant Cannon, for this episode. You really do good shows. Thank you so much. Flattery will get you everywhere, as they say, you know. Kim Allison, hi, Sergeant Bill, and everyone in the chat. Good vibes. The Rose, Mickey Mantle, Jamie Pimentel, Cynthia Campbell, hello. Jeffrey Crowley, agree, Bill. Dawn Marie, Cindy Mercurio, hello, Sergeant Bill, and everyone from Hopewell Junction. Wow. Hopewell Junction, almost, I know it's a town north of Westchester, but it almost sounds like a TV show. There was a TV show years ago, Something Junction. I can't remember what it was. In front of me, uh, I have the page and a half of the two-page confession um, that Brian Laundrie wrote. And I'm just going to read some of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I read the whole thing the other day. Um, uh, 
The temperature had dropped to freezing, and she was soaking wet. I carried her as far as I could from the stream toward the car, stumbling, exhausted, and shocked. When my illegible, and I knew I couldn't safely carry her, I started the fire and spooned her as close to the heat. She was so thin, had already been freezing too long. I couldn't at the time realize that I should have started the fire first, but I wanted her out of the cold back to the car. From where I started the fire, I had no idea how far the car might be. Only knew it was across the creek. That's a little bit strange that he didn't know where the car was because it, as it turned out she wasn't far away from the car. You know, there's a picture on the screen of beautiful um, Gabby Petito. Um, so I, I, I just find his whole statement here so, so self-serving. Um, when I pulled Gabby out of the water, she couldn't tell me what hurt. She had a small bump on her forehead that eventually got larger. Her feet hurt. Her wrist hurt, but she was freezing, shaking violently. While carrying her, she continually made sounds of pain. Laying next to her, she said little. Lapsing between violent shakes, gasping in pain, begging for an end to her pain. She would fall asleep, and I would shake her awake, fearing she wouldn't close her eyes if she had a concussion. She would wake in pain, start a whole painful cycle again, furious that I was the one waking her. She wouldn't let me try to cross the creek, thought like me that the fire would go out in her sleep and she'd freeze. I don't know the extent of Gabby's injuries, only that she was in extreme pain. I ended her life. I thought it was merciful. Thought it is what she wanted, but I see how now all the mistakes I made, I panicked, I was in shock. But from the moment I decided took her away, took away her pain, I knew I couldn't go on without her. So he was uh, he was putting this out there as a merciful death that he was taking Gabby Petito out of her misery. Uh, I certainly do not buy that. I don't know who in the chat buys that. Um, it's really disturbing to think that these were two people uh, that were in love and all of a sudden like an animal that was wounded, he's taking her out of her misery. Uh, just, I do not buy that. You know, I cannot buy that. It's just, to me, it's just outrageous. And uh, again, folks, when we go back over this whole case and we look about the potential, uh, the, 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 the potential domestic violence in this case, it, it's just not, it's just not feasible. You know, I'm going to play a little bit of, you know, they're making a TV show, a lifetime movie on the murder of Gabby Petito. And it's drawing criticism because folks are saying it's much, much too soon for this movie. And I agree because people are still not healed. People are trying to heal from this horrendous tragedy. But let's, let's see what they have to say about this from Newsmax. Um, here it is. Laundry is now getting its own movie. An upcoming lifetime film based on Gabby's disappearance and death is already in the works. Photographers capturing the starring actors filming an emotional fight scene at a staged campground in the mountains near Salt Lake City. You're not, you're not with me every day because you're in your phone. Stop, 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 all right? I'm done. I'm done with this shit. Ryan. No, no. On your phone or some shit. Ryan, come on. Are you serious? Are you going to leave me?
our senior national correspondent, Brian Enton, joining us tonight. Uh, Brian, you and I both know there has always been a lot of interest in this case. Um, so a movie really isn't a surprise, but we're not even a year from when Gabby went missing and she was murdered. So I know it's raising some concern among some that the dust really hasn't settled and there's still legal battles. Yeah, so folks, not even a year that this case occurred. And yes, there's legal battles. There's a civil case coming up. And yet it's uh, it's ready for a lifetime movie. What's going on around this case? Yeah, there's a lot of people online uh, who have been very vested in this case who say this is just too soon. I mean, even watching um, that video that you just played, it is sort of odd to watch at this stage of things, actors playing out what happened. Because you mentioned uh, there's still so much going on. I mean, we just got the notebook on Friday. The civil um, case is, is still pending. Uh, and I was even thinking to myself, you know, they've been filming in Utah now for, for several weeks. We were told that this movie is likely going to come out at the end of the year. But I wonder if they're going to have to change things because there's been so many developments, Marty. I mean, just on Friday, we learned so much from The Notebook. Right. I mean, it, it basically changed the whole story if you are to believe what Brian wrote in that notebook. Um, I know you've been in touch with Gabby's family over all of these months. Um, this has to be really hard for them to even know that it's going to be out there in the public. But then to see a scene like this, are they reacting at all yet? So they haven't reacted at all to this news of a movie. Um, we know that they haven't endorsed it. They're not collaborating behind the scenes from what we know. Um but I will say this, Lifetime was very clear to say that this is going to be part of their Stop Violence Against Women campaign. It's apparently going to be a week-long campaign. Um, so it does seem that they're trying to do this sort of for the greater good. Uh, and hopefully it will bring awareness to um, domestic violence, hopefully to missing people like we're always trying to cover. So I think some good could come out of it, but it, it, it does just feel so soon at the same time. And everyone around this case, Brian, and really since the beginning, have been tight-lipped about the investigation, the evidence. I mean, we're still to this day learning new things, kind of like just trickling out about what exactly happened. Um, are they working directly with anybody who is involved with the case to put this movie on? The FBI, law enforcement, either of the families, not Gabby's, but um, potentially lawyers representing the families? You know, folks, the the family is not doing this for profit, but undoubtedly, of course, the movie company is. They're not doing it uh, for the good of their heart or to spread the word about domestic violence. They're doing it for profit. Not that we know of, um, but I would imagine surely they've gone over all the news reports and, and the, uh, you know, the documents that have been released by the FBI, which hasn't been a lot up until this point, to at least hopefully try to make it somewhat realistic. But it's a good question. I mean, how are they going to fill in all the gaps that that even us who have been covering this so closely don't know? Um, it, it's, it's really interesting to think about. Well, and the motivation, we hope it's for the greater good, but it's entertainment as well. I mean, it's it's part of the reason that people have been so interested in this case. I think back to last September when we just began to learn that this young woman who was in a van traveling the country with her fiance was missing. And then we began to learn more and more. And as, as we learn more, so many people began to care about this case. I mean, by the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands across the world, to this day is the the interest the same as it was, especially on social media, as you continue to cover it? 
You know, I think it is, especially I realized it, especially on Friday when when the notebook was released. I mean, it was like the interest surged again. And I think the creators of this movie, you know, they have to walk a fine line here. Um, this is a sensitive case and, and we are all very passionate about it. And people who have followed this case are very passionate about it. And again, I think if it goes to the greater good, there's, of course, the Gabby Petito Foundation. I mean, if it's going to help the foundation and help people fight back against domestic violence that's one thing if it's purely just entertainment um i think that's another thing yeah and this is far from case closed i mean there is a civil suit going on between the families gabby's parents suing brian laundry's parents and that right now is before a judge um in the next couple of weeks we should know yeah, in the next two weeks, Marnie, that's what the judge said at the end of last week. So it could be this week. It, it could be next week. Some people weren't expecting him to say that he'd have it done that quickly. But he's going to issue a ruling about whether the civil case can move forward. Of course, the laundries had been trying to get the case thrown out. Uh, the whole thing is basically the Petito saying that the laundries caused undue pain and suffering with what they went through. Uh, they claim that the laundries uh, knew that Gabby was dead and didn't tell anyone. Uh, it's going to come down to did they have have to say something um, or were they legally allowed to stay quiet because their attorney told them to um, and and we expect to get some kind of answer again in the next two weeks right but they continue to live in this nightmare uh, with a film on the horizon uh, brian enton we'll see you tonight for band so folks you know there you have it they're going to be covering this on a uh, tv show and you know like look is it much different than news stations covering this story as them making a television movie out of this? Um, I'm not sure. Is That's my question to everyone. Is it is it that much different? And I think that, uh, personally, I think it's too soon for a television movie, at least on behalf of the family and the closure and Gabby Petito. You got to realize that this case, the Brian Laundrie and the Gabby Petito case, did just not... Um, was it not just a national, it was an international, garnered international interest. And there's a lot of questions. There was criticism about that. Was it because it was two young kids, two attractive kids, two affluent kids that went a cross-country trip across, across the United States? And why did it garner so much interest? You know something? No one has a right to question why the public likes something. Well, people can question it, but it's sort of nonsense. They're going to question why someone likes something. I, you've heard it all, you know, you've heard it all in this world. Uh, so we are looking um, smart ass patriot. This case is a sure thing as far as interest. So they have seen dollars since before she, before she was found. Anything followed so much around the world. And someone got the first movie going. Yes, but there's still a lot of interest. I'm going to put up something in regards to the civil case. It's in the hearing stage. We don't know if, in fact, this case will go forward civilly. This, uh, when you're on the screen, you're going to see the um, Petito's attorney. May it please the court. It's not simply about the silence of Christopher and Roberta, uh, Roberta Laundrie, who knew that their son had brutally murdered Gabby Petito. It's not simply about their callous refusal, despite pleas from the Petito family, to speak up about whether or not Gabby was alive and if she wasn't where her body was located. It's about a course of conduct. Folks, can you hear it? If you can hear it, put a one in the chat. It's a little low August for me. On August 28th of 2021, that their son had brutally murdered uh, Gabby Petito up until the time that her body was found. And as this court has, has already noted and pointed out, 
That includes the statement that was made the one time they decided to speak up, they spoke up through their attorney, and I'll touch upon the importance of that in a little bit. As the court knows, you're bound to accept as true all of the facts alleged in the four corners of the complaint. And I'd just like to, to review what some of those allegations are. Well, let, let me ask you this, Mr. Riley. And you know, folks, one of the things I'm going to say, and it's, uh, it's apparent we've had um, attorneys, we've had Joe Murray several times on this. No one is required to implicate themselves. No one is required to give themselves up or to testify against themselves and their against their interests. So that is a big factor in this case that uh, many of you guys question, and many that's why many of you guys do not like the laundries, because of course they wouldn't tell the truth even though they knew the truth. Let's lay aside the the statement that the attorney made on behalf of the laundries. What? So, folks, just realize that it, the, the civil case is in front of an attorney. It's in front, excuse me, in front of a judge. And the judge will determine whether or not this goes forward. One of my favorite um, in, in this whole case, if, I, if there's a favorite part, was the, the battles that Ashley Banfield did with the um, laundry's attorney, Stephen Bertolino. And I love to go back to that because I think it's... Um, it's really interesting. I'm going to just play a little bit of it. Uh, we played a little bit of it yesterday. I want to play a little bit of it right now. And you could you could see what I'm talking about here. 11th, those 10 days, those would not be privileged because you hadn't been retained as counsel? Well, that's not true either because I've been the laundry family attorney for you know, well over 20 years. So any conversations I have with them with respect to legal matters would be. I have my buddy, Melanie Little, my former acting school compadre and friend, uh, also an attorney, who's in the chat. She writes, BS, unless they are donating some of the revenue of this film to DV causes, saying their intention is to bring awareness to DV is disingenuous. 100%, Melanie. Thank you, and thanks for uh, stopping by. Be privileged and confidential. So when Brian came home, to Northport on the first, as is evidenced by a card reader, a license plate reader, seeing the white van coming home. How did you have your first engagement with the family? Was it was it a family meeting? Was it a, a, a conference call? Like, how did you first connect with them after he had uh, had had returned? Again, any conversation I've had with uh, Chris, Roberta, and Brian, you know, was by telephone. But, uh, you know, the dates and what we discussed uh, are all attorney-client privileged and confidential. And, you know, I'm sorry to say that uh, I, I can't speak about those things. Counselor, I fully understand uh, that you cannot reveal those uh, privileged engagements, uh, the content within. I'm just sort of going around the, the contours of it, if you'd allow me to. And that is that I'm just curious about, because you're, as I understand it, I'm, I'm talking to you in Long Island, correct? That's correct. And and the laundries have always been in Northport. No, they haven't always been in Northport. They lived on Long Island for many years. Uh, I don't know exactly how many years they've moved down to Florida. Sure. But, uh, Understand. I, I just mean for the purpose of this particular engagement, say from September 1st on, you did not go to Northport uh, to engage with them. You, you really had to do this from afar. That's correct. Uh, everything uh, has been, you know, by telephone, text message or um, how should we say, uh, FaceTime. 
or, or, or sort of these, these group Zooms? Did you have like the family, you know, group uh, FaceTime or the group Zoom like this? No, we didn't. We didn't do something like that. I love how Ashley Manfield is trying to get him to say things that he does not want to say. And uh, it's pretty interesting. And um, this on, on the screen, I'm going to show you some of um, the, uh, and a lot of people have asked about this, the, um, the written confession from, um, from Brian Laundrie. Um, and of course, what all you guys always ask, how do we know that this is authentic? How do we know this isn't a copy? A lot of you guys were questioning early on whether or not that the remains of Brian Laundry were in fact his, that uh, they had somehow invented some bones and some DNA that didn't belong to his. Here it is on the screen. This is the confession um, that he wrote. And it was both, um, it was written in regards to his suicide and to the murder of Gabby Petito. And I've, I've said many times I'm very concerned about uh the circumstances surrounding the death of brian laundry and furthermore in that letter that he wrote he discusses or in the notebook he discusses actually having someone else take his life which i found very interesting yeah that was interesting and to be fair i texted mr bertolino about this about this new information about a letter from roberta to brian and asking him what this was and he said I do know specifically about the burn this letter. I do know it's a movie and what she wrote on the cover of a letter to Brian many months before the trip. He says many months um, had the title of the movie on there. And there apparently is a movie burn this letter. Very, very strange. Uh, Dr. Ludwig, I want to get to you um, in the notebook. Uh, Brian Laundry says Gabby hurt herself in the water. Uh, and when he killed her, he called it a mercy killing which was very, very strange. And I want to read you, uh, Dr. Ludwig, a part of, of what he wrote in the notebook. He said, when I pulled Gabby out of the water, she couldn't tell me what hurt. She had a small bump on her forehead that eventually got larger. Her feet hurt, her wrist hurt, but she was freezing, shaking violently while carrying her. She continually made sounds of pain laying next to her. She said, little lapsing between violent shakes, gasping for pain, begging for an end to her pain. I mean, come on, Dr. Ludwig, is this just an abuser trying to justify his abuse? What is going on here? Yeah, I mean, very often what we see with abusers is that they're very controlling. So Brian clearly wants to control the narrative of this story. And, and clearly this was not a mercy killing. I think what he's describing is how Gabby was while he was choking her to death. I could certainly see Gabby having that kind of physical reaction while he was killing her. But he's controlling the narrative because Brian knew or wanted this letter to get out, and he wanted everyone to read it. So we see that Brian continues to be very controlling and to try to almost position Gabby in some strange way. If Gabby is hurt, why not call 911? Why not bring her to a hospital? Mercy killing? That's just a bizarre jump. You know, folks, one of the things you also have to realize is that he came home and never told anyone, of course, unless you believe that he told his parents, Robert, Chris and Roberta Laundrie, which I believe he did tell them. But so he didn't confess to anyone. He never told, never told anyone where the body was. 
the body was found by the family, Red, White, and Bethune, those fam that family that travels all over the country. And had they not found her body, who knows when? And just think about it. The body was left out there in the elements to be eaten by, by animals and to be degraded. And to be, you know, so this a guy that was mercy killing? This was a mercy killing? He is so full of shit, you know? I've, I've interviewed murderers, and this is consistent with how they act. Many times a, murder will, a murderer will tell you, oh, I very gently put my arm around his neck until he stopped breathing. Oh, it was a gentle murder. I get it. Or I very gently hit him over the head with a 25-pound ceramic you know, uh, statue. But it was very gentle. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Gentle enough to bash his skull in and to kill him, you know? So this is not uncommon. But as you say, this guy is a narcissist. He's got no balls whatsoever. The guy is just a weasel. And, you know, I want to say it out there. Put it out there in real homicide police language, not in the language of an FBI agent or the language of a, a PhD. Put it out there in who he is. He's a killer. He killed his fiance. He murdered her, premeditatedly murdered her. And no, any excuse he's making right now saying, oh, it was a mercy killing. I want to put her out. Just total, total, total nonsense. And I just want everyone else to know that because many people on here, they'll actually buy what this guy has to say. And I'll tell you the truth, I do not buy it. Yeah, Dr. Ludwig, I thought it was interesting that the letter was released today. And you mentioned that you think that he wanted people to read it. It almost did read like that, almost like he was trying to justify what he did to the world. Absolutely. And I think he was trying to protect his parents in the letter. Um, and, and I think we also see psychologically something very interesting where Brian says that Gabby was the love of his life and he couldn't imagine living without her. And I do believe that part to be true because with uh, violent partners who kill their uh, lovers, very often they're highly dependent individuals. And when they kill their lover, they then realize how dependent and lost they are without this other person in their life to, um, to beat and to blame and to target. Uh, so I do believe he was suicidal after he killed Gabby and didn't know what to do with himself. But here we see the sociopathy that he has. If you look at the writing, it's, it's very neatly written he wanted people to be able to read his writing, read his narrative, protect his parents, and have a sense of what he wanted the world to, to envision the ending of Gabby's life the way he wanted us to see it, not the way it really happened. You know, he wanted the world to see the death of Gabby Petito in the way that he wanted everyone to see it. Isn't that sort of the definition of what a narcissist is? Someone that's so selfish, they want to believe that what they feel and what they think should be the narrative to what had occurred. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. If you're not subscribed to us, go on our YouTube. It's free. Subscribe, hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Ring that bell. And if you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And if you want to join our YouTube family, we have five, count them, five different levels. 
and you see the folks in the green font in the chat, they're part of our YouTube family. You can support us on YouTube. So yes, he, he is a total, total narcissist. And I think that really, if you look back at this case, and I, I see it much more now than I ever have, there was huge domestic violence um, situation in this case, two young people, but they had huge domestic violence problems exacerbated by the fact that they were living together in a tiny little van. So disturbing. Jennifer, the part of the letter where he says that Gabby hurt herself and fell in the river, um, in, the, in the stream, really. You know, I was out there, Jennifer. Uh, I was in the spot where Gabby was killed. I saw where the van was. I had incredible cell phone service out there. I had no issue with cell phone service. The area was not that big from where the creek was. It's about a five-minute walk to the van. I mean, the story doesn't seem to add up that you couldn't go get help or make a phone call, Jennifer. Yes, quite frankly, evidentiary-wise, this is a ridiculous assertion and an assertion to try in some way to make his actions look justified. And we call them self-serving statements. And we see them often with criminals and sociopaths. And it was it was uh, typical of someone who is a domestic violence abuser and um, not surprising. And he, you know, also after this apparent thing where she, he says she hurt herself and yada, 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 he still managed to get in the van and drive all the way home and use her debit card and then hide out and all of the rest. Uh, Dr. Ludwig, I want to read you a part of the letter where he describes why he rushed back to Florida. Um, he writes, I rushed home to spend my time I had left with my family. I wanted to drive north and let James or TJ killed me. He also doesn't have great grammar, by the way. But I wouldn't <laughs> want them to spend time in jail over my mistake, even though I'm sure they would have liked to. I am ending my life not because of a fear of punishment, but rather because I can't stand to live another day uh, without her. So it seems like he was planning to kill himself maybe um, before he even got home. He talks a lot about Gabby's family. I mean, do you think he really even really cared about them? Did he really care about her family? You know, it's hard to know. It, you know, even killers sometimes see themselves as really good people. So Brian could have felt that he did love Gabby. He loved the family. And, you know, it, what's interesting, though, is that he goes back home and his family acted very odd, not the way normal parents would act whose son was in this position. And it's almost like a regression. I wonder if his family enabled him in some way. They knew that he was troubled. And it sounds like the mother is troubled as well. And that they would somehow fix it or he needed to be in their presence. So I, I find that interesting that somehow I imagine his parents or family had been protecting him for a long time when he misbehaved. And I'm sure he would get in trouble a lot. You know, she hit it right on the head. The parents are his enablers. They enable him to, to conduct himself with the bad behavior and they, they feed into that bad behavior. And that's what enablers do. They enable him to act the way he acted. Someone in the chat, Beth, um, hi, Bill, can you explain what you're referring to as premeditated murder? I know what it means, but how does it apply to what we know about Brian Laundry? Well, Beth, what I mean by premeditated murder is that I mean that he at some point 
earlier on, not that same night, decided that he was going to kill Gabby. And he just had to enact his plan uh, and put it into motion. And sure enough, on the night that he's describing in this confession, that's when he decided to strangle her. He strangled her. I mean, this whole story about her putting her out of her misery is just crap. And then when we learned from the autopsy that not only did she die of um, asphyxia to the neck, but he throttled her, which means he had his hands around her neck and he throttled her. So that, to me, is premeditated murder. He planned it. It didn't just happen spur of the moment like we hear lots of times in a, a crime of passion. This was premeditated, planned. And look, he had a plan. After he killed her, he split. He took a van and went to Florida. If that doesn't smell of premeditation, what does? And I'm sure they knew something was off with him. But I think we need to be suspect because this is a sociopath who wants us to believe what he's saying. And he sees himself as a good person who went awry, who went off, who impulsively did the wrong thing um, at times. Because at the end of the letter, yeah. he says, I hope uh, Gabby's parents will like that I'll be eaten by animals. So he understands that Gabby's parents will hate him after this event. Yeah. And the weird, the weirdest thing was the very end of the letter. He says something about don't litter and pick this letter up because Gabby didn't like littering. I mean, yeah. you're talking about killing your fiance and then you're talking about picking up litter. It didn't make much sense. Real quick. I've only got a few more seconds, Jennifer, but you heard Dr. Ludwig talking about the laundries. Do you, Jennifer, think they knew? Do you think they were in on this? I don't think they planned it with him. I think they absolutely knew right after it occurred. And I'm not so sure there couldn't be accessory after the fact or aiding and abetting uh, that it, I know it was considered by the FBI. Um, clearly they've returned all the evidence. Clearly the case is closed. But I think this evidence would show that civilly, which just requires a preponderance of the evidence as opposed to a reasonable doubt um, requirement, I think I'm thinking the Petitos and the Schmitz might have a good civil case here. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, to, how this moves forward. I didn't expect this today. You both have been following this, this case closely also. I didn't expect that that notebook was going to reveal all that. And I certainly didn't expect we were going to find out today, just a couple of hours ago, about this new letter from Roberta to Brian. That really uh, took me off guard. Jennifer uh, Koffendoffer and Dr. Robbie Ludwig, thank you so much for coming on tonight to discuss. We appreciate it. You know, folks, one of the things that I questioned, and um, I'd like your opinion, the guys in the chat. I questioned the fact that Stephen Bertolino, the attorney for the laundries and the laundries, by keeping quiet and pursuing the legal avenues that they did, did that not somehow lead to Brian Laundry committing suicide? And so do they really get to spike the football and say, oh, all of the legal advice that Stephen Bertolino gave was absolutely correct because the uh, laundries did not implicate themselves? Yes, but their son killed himself. Is that the end of this case that you wanted? Is that the finality? Is that a victory? Is that a legal victory? Um, Joe Murray is in the chat again, giving me a 999 super chat. I'm going to read what he wrote. 
First, Brian is labeled self-centered narcissist. Now he is accused of using his suicide note for to, to protect his parents. Not very narcissistic. He admitted to killing Gabby. Was sorry, then killed himself. Yes, Joe. That all of that that's factually true, but the reasons are not true. He killed himself because he's a coward, and he killed him. He killed her because it was premeditated. He couldn't handle their relationship. There was domestic violence involved in their relationship. So, Joe, all the all that you say, yes, is true, but I somehow think that somehow, and maybe nine out of ten attorneys would have given the exact same advice that Stephen Bertolini, Bertolino gave to their parents. However, what was the result of that advice? Yes, he committed suicide. He's no longer around. What if Stephen Bertolino said, you know something, let's fight this. We have a shot at a manslaughter one. You get sentenced to five to 15. You'll, you'll get out someday. Suicide is finality. You're going to be dead. So maybe, maybe that that legal advice wasn't as a student and, and as great of legal advice as as it was championed to be uh, on several other times. I don't know. What, what do you think? I mean, uh, I think that uh, perhaps a different avenue of legal advice could have happened and maybe... Um, Maybe Brian Laundrie would be alive today. In prison, but alive. Joe Murray, come on, Bill. One argument between these two kids does not make a domestic violence history. I don't think it was one argument, Joe. I think if you look at the Moab police and the stop, and we went over that ad nauseum, I think it could have shown, and I think maybe if you spoke to the Petitos, and if you spoke to the Laundries, and if they were free to talk, they would tell you that they had frequent fights. And I don't know this for 100%. I'm predicting this based on my police experience, based on my observations. But I think that there could have been a domestic violence history. And um, I think that with that, taking that into consideration, potentially the legal advice that they received may not have been the best advice. Disturbing revelations in the Brian Laundrie, Gabby Petito case. Several pages from Laundrie's notebook found near his body in Florida have been made public by his family attorney. Details now from ABC's Rena Roy. It was a case that gripped the nation. And tonight, for the first time, we're hearing from Brian Laundrie in his own words after investigators say he murdered his girlfriend, Gabby Petito, during a cross-country road trip last summer. The FBI says Brian admitted to killing Gabby in this eight-page handwritten letter released by the Laundrie family attorney. But Brian claiming it was a mercy killing, that Gabby had fallen and was in pain. Writing in part, I ended her life. I thought it was merciful, that it is what she wanted. But I see now all the mistakes I made. I panicked. I was in shock. Federal authorities say Brian strangled Gabby to death in Wyoming and returned home to Florida alone, sparking a nationwide search. Her remains later found near Grand Teton National Park. Brian and his family declined to speak with law enforcement or Gabby's parents. 
Brian then disappeared himself. Authorities say they found his body in a swamp near his family's home next to a notebook with that written confession saying he died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Gabby's family has filed a civil lawsuit against Brian's parents, accusing them of intentional infliction of emotional distress. The laundry's attorney has called the case baseless and is seeking to dismiss it. A judge will decide whether the laundries will face a jury within the next few weeks. With Rena Roy, our thanks to you tonight. You know, good point. Uh, someone raised this in the chat. Um, when a confession is self-serving, is it a confession? Or is it just an admission that's trying to get the person uh, out of trouble? Melanie Little, Counselor Melanie Little, urban infidel, not only can they sue his estate, but can also sue the parents for, among other things, intentional infliction of emotional distress for what they knew or should have known. Wow, Melanie, that's the first time we're hearing that. Uh, I should have you on with Joe Murray. You guys will go at it. Uh, we'll have two attorneys uh, arguing this case. But we don't know for a fact yet if the case is going to... Um, is going to go forward. Joe Murray writes, these were two spoiled millennials living a fantasy life that has such a poetic ending with Gabby asking Brian to end the pain as he then gave her one last kiss as he throttled her. Joe, I, I, don't, uh, I don't see it as that. I mean, I could see it as two spoiled millennials, but something went horrible in their relationship. And... Um, I think that has more to do with this than um, two spoiled millennials. Something went really, really bad in their relationship. And that's where this went. That's, you know, look, well, I know I've, I've played it a million times, the Moab police, but I think that says so much about this whole case, uh, about Gabby and about Brian Laundrie. And uh, this, this, this little video right here says everything. And I think that we had just watched a few minutes of this, and I think we'll all agree. Okay. I, just, I was just cleaning and straightening up back of the before, and I was apologizing to him and saying, I'm sorry that I'm so mean, because sometimes I have OCD, and sometimes I can get really frustrated. Not, like, mean towards him. I just, like, I guess my vibe is, like, I I was just like, I'm you know, folks, someone just raised the issue in the chat. She's apologizing for him. And that's what so many victims of domestic violence do. They apologize to and about their abuser. So, is that not a sign of domestic violence, of domestic abuse, that she's apologizing for him? I, I think I think it is. We've just been fighting all morning, and, and he wouldn't let me in the car before. And Why I, wouldn't he let you in the car? Because you have OCD? told me I need to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm perfectly calm. I'm calm all the time. And he really stresses me out. And I just, this is a rough morning. Well... 
Why don't we do this? Why don't I sit you down in the back seat of my car? You're not in any trouble, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be putting handcuffs on you. You obviously don't have any weapons. I'm going to get you into the air conditioning, let you take a breath, relax a little bit, and then I'll come back and talk to you in a few minutes, okay? Okay. All right. Like I said, you're not in any trouble. So just go ahead and take a seat. Tell me what's going on. The shoes gets worked up sometimes, and I try and really distance myself from her. You know, this is a little, a lot different than the interview of Gabby. You could see that he's very much um, self-defensive, defensive in, in regards to himself, explaining, making up all kinds of excuses, apologizing, and a lot different than uh, Gabby's demeanor. Like, I, I locked the car and I walked away from her. You know, what happened this morning is that she's trying to start up like her own little website blog and everything, so I give her time... And I, we really had a nice morning of every, and if anything, but um, she just you know, worked up because we were trying to get going and get our day going because we want to go um, like guard and something like that. Okay. You, you want to tell me about those scratches on your face? She had itself on her hand. That's why I was pushing her away because I she, she wanted to, I like the keys so I could walk away. I, I said, let's just take a breather and let's not you know, go anywhere. Let's just calm down for a minute because she was worked up. And then she had her phone and trying to get the keys and like that way. I was just trying to I know I shouldn't push, but I was just trying to push her away to go, let's, let's just take a minute, step back and breathe. And you see, she got me with her Can I see your hand? Oh, you got a mark right here. So, so you, I, you said you pushed her to create some distance, obviously, yeah. right? What happened after that? What got, what got the scratches on your eye? The phone. The phone? Mm -hmm. So you pushed her and she hit you? She was, I wasn't, I was, it wasn't like a push and she jumped on me. She was, she was already, she was already, I don't know what to He's swinging, and I was supposed to a lot of angles, a lot of nails, a lot of rings. Yeah, you got three scratches in your neck. You got one on your left side of your head. You got one in your face here, and you got four blood bleeding on you know, folks, we went over this uh, this stop by the Moab police uh, numerous, numerous, numerous times. But I can't play it enough because I think it says a lot in regards to their relationship. Uh we had argued numerous times that we felt that the Moab police um, did a good job, that they spent, I think, an hour and 10 or an hour and 15 minutes on this job, which you would never get that in, um, in New York City or any other busy municipality. And I think they asked all the right questions. And at the end of it, they, they interviewed both of them separately. They, would, it, would it have helped if they would have arrested one or both of them? I ask that question every time we watch this, and I'm not um, convinced that it would have. Many people think it would have, and many people, and you know something? I will freely admit, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. But I don't think in this incident um, that having arrested, say they arrested Gabby, declaring her what's known as the primary aggressor because she hit Brian across the face with her phone. Would that have stopped what occurred two weeks later? Would that have prevented her murder? I want to hear from you guys in the chat. Answer. I'm, I'm not asking this rhetorically. I'm asking, would that have pre prevented uh, her murder? Uh, Dab Josh says they should have arrested one of them. Okay, why, Dab Josh? Why? Would that have prevented the murder of Gabby? Holly Chick, how are you? Good to see you. 
Sonia Allen, you're right, crime so proper. By that time, she was thinking, how do, do I get home? I don't think he left her with any way to contact her parents. Would them have arresting Gabby or arresting Brian, would that have prevented the murder that occurred two weeks later? That's something we'll never know. You know, that's something that many people, many people, especially I, I believe if we go women and men, many, many women highly criticized the Moab police to, for their response to this incident. And you have your own opinion. And some folks, some women in the chat are, are domestic violence survivors. And so they know from which they are talking about. Um, and Sonia Allen, you're right. We will never know because we, we can't predict what would have happened. You know, the old woulda, shoulda, coulda. We don't know. We don't know what would have occurred. Um, but what we do know is that there was no arrest made and we know what happened two weeks later. So the, getting back to, uh, uh, oh, Beth, I'm going to read what you wrote, Beth. Beth, speaking from experience as to your question, yes, Gabby's parents would have flown out and assisted to separate them. An arrest is the one thing they had never had, to my knowledge. Beth, you're 100% correct. Uh, I'm not 100% in agreement that it would have prevented her death, but you're 100% correct. Maybe it would have been a different outcome, you know? Uh, Smart-ass patriot. I don't think it would break the bond for a short break of one to three days. No, I don't think so. Being so far from home, if she had an exit plan, um, she had an exit plan and means maybe, but she didn't even uncomfortable, but she wasn't even comfortable driving the van. Um, you know, it's see this. Um, Mary writes, I don't think it would have prevented the murder, just postponed it. I highly doubt some time in jail would fix their relationship and behaviors toward each other. So, Mary, I think you're in the opinion that they needed to, to break up. They needed to get away from each other. Sonia Allen, I do believe in my heart. Had she gotten back home, she was done with him. I saw it in her eyes. Women's intuition, that's something that's very, very strong. And uh, I, don't, uh, I don't say that lightly. Jakey, five, if she was arrested, oh, is that Jackie, five? I'm sorry, Jackie, five. If she was arrested, I think she would have rang her mom, and I think she would have got help from her dad, uh, took her home maybe. Um, yeah, it, it could have changed a lot of things. And Pierce, Gabby probably told Brian she had enough of him and was leaving him. This, is turn, this in turn enraged him. He wasn't going to let her be free. That's a distinct possibility, uh, a distinct possibility. But you know something? Somehow... We, we don't know and we'll never know because we know what happened. We know what occurred here, you know, and uh, we can't predict what would have happened if we, you know, would have, could have, should have type of thing. Folks, Joe Murray, attorney at law. Uh, I know he pisses some of you guys off, but he happens to be an outstanding attorney. And I don't mind dissenting opinion in the chat. I think it's good to have dissenting opinion. Uh, I, I read your dissenting opinions, you guys in the chat, and I, I, I happily do it. Joe Murray, is. if you need a defense attorney, he's your guy, jmurray-law.com. Uh, his cell phone number is 718-514-3855.
You can email him at joe at jmurray-law.com. His website is jmurray-law.com. He's a retired NYPD member of the service, police officer, and an outstanding defense attorney and a hell of a good guy. I just have to say that too. I know some of you folks get pissed off at him in the chat. Lovebug53, good to see you. Saw you this morning. Um, Smart-ass patriot. Completely agree. They're most dangerous when they think the other is going to leave. They double down. Um, Whispering Winds, Equestrian Center, and Exotics. She did call her parents after the Moab incident and went to the hotel. She called them. I wish they would have went and got her. Yeah, I think that that may have uh, that may have helped a little bit, you know. Um, we're going to follow this case, folks. Whether it goes um, to trial civilly or whether the judge um, rules that it's not strong enough uh, to bring a civil case in regards to a preponderance of evidence against the um, the laundry family, uh, don't forget a civil case has a lower standard. It's not beyond a reasonable doubt like we have in a criminal case. But whether this case goes forward or not uh, is up to this judge. Uh, Tina, he had a lawyer uh, before he got home to Florida, of course, his parents. So his lawyer, wh- wh- I brought up before, is Stephen Bertolino. He's a Long Island attorney. He's been the family's attorney for years. Um, Frank Marsha, a good attorney, always pisses somebody off. There's some truth to that, Frank. I think you're right. Uh, uh, Dab Josh, she picked the wrong guy. Um, you know, this, this is such a complicated case. And, um, I just want to say from my perspective and my point of view that I have a huge amount of sympathy, um, to the Petito family, what happened to them, to their daughter, to their family should never happen to anyone. It's a horror they have to live with this for the rest of their life. In another vein, the laundries have to put up with this too because they lost their son. They lost their son to suicide. And if they did love Gabby Petito, they lost a future daughter-in-law. And I say if, I don't know what their relationship with her was, but this is a tragedy, more of a tragedy for the Petitos, but also a tragedy for the laundry family. Uh, Tina, I think something happened. He snapped, killed her, then called his parents. They got him a lawyer, and he headed home. Look, I think when they first got the information of what occurred, they were on the horn with the attorney immediately. I think that they uh, they were they're educated people. They're not stupid. They uh, they lawyered up right away, so that they couldn't be questioned by the authorities, by the FBI. Um, yeah, so, you know, they they lawyered up right away. And um, did they do everything legally to protect themselves? Yeah. But as I said before, the resulting situation here was that they, their son committed suicide. So was that or was that not good legal advice? I don't know. I, I can't answer that. Um, again, we followed this case through. It's almost a year now. We're almost at a year, and it's um, unbelievable. Uh, Lieutenant Peter Prenzel's in the chat. How you doing, Lieutenant Pete? K.H. Walker, Gabby was doomed from the moment she canceled the wedding, but let Brian hang on. She was never going to marry him. 
Gage Walker, that's, well, that's a distinct possibility. Shelly Tarbert, their son was the way he was because of how he was raised by them. Good possibility. Uh, Matty Boy Sully, uh, why did he not call for help if Gabby was hurt? Pretty good, uh, pretty good question, Matty Boy Sully. You're 100% right. Darcy Danger, I think the parents lawyered up immediately after Brian told them, but they have no heart, no conscience. You know something? Many people feel that way, that um, they didn't have a heart. They didn't have a conscience in this case. And they, they took it to the max. And the resultant, uh, what resulted from this was this son committing suicide. And uh, I don't think we can really... We can really argue that. Do you mind lifting up your right sleeve for me? I'm curious about something. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's 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 I suppose fingernails, but yeah, I'm not complaining. Absolutely. I'm not <laughs> complaining about Is it bruised or tender or anything like that? Uh, I'm fine. I look good. I hope she doesn't have too many complaints about me. <laughs> I'm just, uh, well, I, I feel bad I can get so public. I was just trying to be loud and true. This is, you know, Try to make your calm down and be like, look, everyone's watching. Stop this. <laughs> no, I haven't done that yet. Ryan, unfortunately, in the state of Utah, we don't have discretion in some things. Like, for example, if I pull you up for speeding and I want to give you a warning, I can do that because it's under Class A. It's a class B or under. If I want to give you warnings all kinds of stuff, I can. But there's a few things I can't. When I say hi, please, I'm not trying to one of the things that the state legislature doesn't give us discretion on is charges when it comes to a domestic assault. And it sounds like you guys are living together, so you, you meet the statute for domestic partners. And you do have injury, and both an independent witness, probably the next one we're going to talk to as well, which we haven't talked to yet, but one of the ones we did talk to, and your own companion, have made it clear that she was the primary aggressor and then she was striking you and you just received injuries. You have the ability to strike her. She has not the ability to strike her. The witness did not see you strike her. So at this point, you're the victim of domestic assault. And even if you didn't want to pursue this, we don't have a choice. The best thing we can do to not... The loss that we have to charge her doesn't say we have to put her in jail. Okay? But it also says we have to separate, put her in a contact order, and we have to put her in jail if we cannot separate. And there's a little problem here is you guys want to afford to live in the bed together. How are we supposed to separate from that? So, this is what I'm going to do. I've decided I am not going to cite you for domestic violence battery, okay? It was only going to be a class B misdemeanor. However, the domestic violence portion of it enhances it makes like a major pain in the butt, especially at your 22, right? So I'm choosing not to cite you today. So you are not going to be charged with it. All right, but this is what I do have to do. I am separating the two of you tonight, okay? I want you guys both to be tonight away from each other, relax, breathe, because there's no reason to be crying now, okay? This is... I understand that this can feel like it's a nightmare, but you're coming out as the golden flower on top of it, okay? So, you're going to be taking the van tonight, and you're going to go somewhere else, 
I am going to get him lined up for the hotel room tonight. I want you guys to stay away from each other. For both of you guys the same. From what you told me and what he told me, you guys have a bunch of little things that are building up, building up, building up. And finally, the little string that you guys were tight walking on the road tonight. That sounded all right. So I just want everybody to breathe, get a chance away from each other, go eat a meal, talk to your parents, whatever it is you got to do. So, folks, when you watch that, it is so, so heartbreaking that, you know, this seems to be the straw that broke the camel's back, that we were sort of advised that their relationship was bad. There was domestic violence in their relationship. But can we blame it? I can't. I can't blame it on the police. I, I'm still of the opinion that the Moab police did a pretty good job. And, you know, we could always blame. Police organizations love to blame people. They love to put blame and, and blame someone and punitively punish someone for what has occurred. And But as you watch that, you could see that Gabby Petito was definitely in distress. And you wish you could have helped her. And we wish that we could have helped her. And we wish that what happened two weeks later didn't happen. But we unfortunately... You know, none of us have 2020 hindsight. And that's what it takes sometimes. We're not mind readers. Uh, what happened again happened. Folks, I, I just want to thank everyone for listening today. And I know sometimes I've done some redundancy in this case because I think it's important to go over the Moab part where the police pulled them over. I think it's so important, as is, I enjoy watching Ashley Benfield interview Stephen Bertolino because we look at the legal part of that. We talk about the legal part of this case, and I think it's important. That's why I've had Joe Murray on numerous times. I don't want to have him on too often because he he he, he riles up my uh, my chat group here. But love Joe. Great, great guy. He supports the channel so much. He's a great attorney. One of the things I just wanted to mention also is that Roberta Laundry, that the letter that she wrote to Brian uh, what she wrote on the outside, burn this after reading. It hasn't been produced yet. So when it does get produced, I will do another show and I'll bring it up and we'll read it and we'll talk about it. What did it mean? What did she know? When did she know it? All of those things. Again, the prediction is um, many feel, or Joe Murray, our attorney at large, feels that this case is never going to make it to civil court. Uh, I can't predict that. I don't know. However, we'll look, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, again, folks, thank you so much for tuning in today. I actually went on this morning outside by my pool with Coffee with Cannon and some of the very same folks in the chat that are here now are uh, listening Coffee with Cannon, Backyard Beverage, Bullshitting with Bill, whatever you want to call it. But guys, thank you so much. Have a great day and stay safe. Oh, no.